Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas. Welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and... Ashley. 14th time's the charm. (laughs) We have done this intro so many times, but it's fine. (laughs) We're here today. It's a beautiful day. Ashley and I are together in person. In person. (gasps) Thank you, vaccinations. Thank you, vaccinations. It's important. Immunity is good. (laughs) Immunity is good, and the NICU mamas of the world know that more than anyone else. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, on the podcast, we have the pleasure of either interviewing experts from the neonatal field or in maternal mental health, and then we also get the opportunity to interview mamas uh, about their journeys in the NICU. And today is incredibly special. I know I say that every time, but I really mean it today. (laughs) Yes, today is exceptionally special. I actually have the honor of having my grandma on the podcast episode. So not only do we share familiar DNA, but we also share the unique title of NICU mom. And my grandma's NICU journey was over 50 years ago, and it's been one really beautiful way for us to connect, but I'm also really excited for all of our listeners to get a sneak peek into what the NICU was like 50 Mm -hmm. years ago. And I think throughout this episode, we'll quickly realize that we've come a long way Mm -hmm. in how we advocate for parent and baby bonding and relationship, Mm -hmm. and yet we still have a ways to go. So grandma, it's such an honor to have you. Do you want to say hello? Thank you, Ashley. It's great to be here. And hi, Martha. (laughs) This is going to be so fun. Yeah, it's so special. And it's interesting that it was 50 years ago, and yet you're 32. So how does that (laughs) math work out? No. (laughs) I'll I'll be 76 in October. So yeah, it was a while ago. And I know we'll kind of get into this, Grandma, but I would love to know, you know, not only did you see me go through the NICU, but you also had one of your sons go through the NICU. Mm-hmm. And what was that like for you, experiencing the NICU 50 years ago, but then seeing it not your son go through it, but also your granddaughter? What was that like for you? You know, it was surreal in some ways because it brought all those memories flooding back. Mm-hmm. And yet seeing how far medicine had come and mm-hmm. seeing the chance of those babies surviving was so great. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. And not that could probably wouldn't have happened some years ago because mm-hmm. yeah. they were pretty tiny babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe we should start from the very beginning, Grandma. Okay. So you, how many kids did you have before you conceived Kelly and Kevin? We had your dad, so we had one, and he was like, I think, 18 months old at the time that the twins were delivered. He would have been almost two if they would have come on their due date. Sure. And with my dad, you had a totally normal right. delivery, normal yeah. pregnancy, mm-hmm. no surprises. No surprises. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you found out that you were pregnant, had you had any, like, when did you find out you were having twins? Um, I was about four months along when I started to hemorrhage. Okay. And I went to the doctor, and um, they did not have ultrasounds, mm-hmm. and it was too early to do an x-ray. And so they told me to take it easy, go on home, and um, take it slow. And that's what I did, and the hemorrhaging stopped. And then about four and a half months, I started hemorrhaging again. 
Then I went into the hospital, and the pregnancy was far enough along to do an X-ray. And through the X-ray, they were able to tell that we were expecting twins, and that was the first we knew of it. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that was a... It's just wild to think that we didn't have ultrasounds. I know. It's incredible. Like the amount of ultrasounds I know. I had, you know, with Silas. And to think that like the x-ray was the only option. Yeah. Even just 50 years ago. I know. The amount of times they've been like, oh, that's your bladder wall. Do you know what I mean? The amount of times (laughs) I've seen my insides from a thing is very, it's strange. But it's, you know, I think uh, like you're right. And I even think to do an x-ray. So what did you think when they said, oh, it's two babies? Well, they wheeled me out of the x-ray room, and I remember the nurses, as they were pushing the gurney, this one nurse said to me, so, do you have any children at home? And I said, yeah, we have an 18-month-old little boy. Oh, they smiled, and they just kept pushing because they could tell by the x-ray. And then um, my doctor talked to my husband that day, and when he came in to visit, then he came in and told me that Mm. we were going to have twins. So that was, I heard it from Ernie. Oh, that's so special. So was your pregnancy after the hemorrhaging, was that relatively normal or was there any high risk? No, once they determined that I was expecting twins and the hemorrhaging um, issue, they put me on bed rest. So I was on bed rest for two months Mm -hmm. and I didn't, uh, I can get up to use the bathroom, but I was not able to wash my hair, take showers, everything mm-hmm. was done in the bed. So it was wow. so you were in the hospital. No, I was at home. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They With had the eighteen month old? Yeah, I yeah. was just gonna say <laughs> they had somebody come in from um we hired somebody to come in through the county. That was a service that was provided and um she took care of me and Todd and then when Ernie got home from work they tag teamed and then he was wow. the main caregiver. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh that was for two months. That and how that must have felt longer. I mean, it being was, in a bed, it was because Todd didn't understand. He wanted me to lift mm-hmm. him up and put him right. into bed, but the caregiver would do that so he could be with me. Yeah. And we colored and played games mm-hmm. and stuff as long as I was quiet. But yeah, it was quite a change. But I wanted wow. to do everything I could, right. everything I knew that the doctor told me to do. I wanted to do it because mm-hmm. I wanted the very best chance for the pregnancy to continue. Yeah. Wow. So when did you start to notice that maybe something wasn't quite right with your pregnancy to where you needed to get checked? Like at what point were you like, something's a little different? During this before delivery? Right before delivery. Yeah. yeah. I had been reading books on um, pregnancies and troubles and twins and all that stuff. And One afternoon, Ernie came home, and he took Todd, and they went to the bank. And I remember as he was getting ready to go, I thought, hmm, I kind of don't feel just right. But, of course, they went, and um, one of the books I had read talked about double vision. Mm -hmm. And with the cramping, and then I was reading, and then I got the double vision, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't good. Mm -hmm. So as soon as Ernie got home, then um, we called somebody to stay with Todd, and then he took me in, and from there, the labor continued. They weren't able to anything to stop it mm-hmm. how close were you to the hospital at that point we lived right in the same town yeah. so it was just a matter of a couple of miles yeah yeah mm-hmm. it was a not a real small hospital but not real large either it was in wilmer minnesota they yeah. were born wow so what was your delivery like with the boys do you know um it was it was fast and yet it seemed like it took forever as far mm-hmm. as the 
time. I wanted so badly for the pains to stop, and I knew it was too early for the babies to have a very good chance. But um, they were born three minutes apart, mm-hmm. and uh, we they weren't. I wasn't able to have any kind of medication because mm-hmm. they knew that would affect the baby. Um, so they couldn't put anything into me to help me for the pain. And um, Kelly weighed three pounds, eight and a half ounces, and Kevin weighed three pounds, one half ounce. Mm-hmm. So they were good-sized babies, mm-hmm. you know, as far as um, that time went. But they had no steroids back then. Mm-hmm. They had nothing really to help the development of the lungs. And mm-hmm. so um, they thought maybe that Kevin's placenta had tore away and that was causing the lack of nourishment as well as the oxygen into his system. Mm-hmm. Kevin was kind of a grayish color, mm-hmm. and um, Kelly was pink, so mm-hmm. he had mm-hmm. the oxygen flow. They had that little meow cry that mm-hmm. NICU mamas are used to hearing. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, But Kevin's really wasn't that mm-hmm. strong. So you were awake yeah. for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they didn't give me anything. Wow. Or because they didn't know how it would affect the mm-hmm. twins. So. Right. Wow. Yeah. And how many weeks exactly were the twins at? They were 10 weeks early. And see, back then we got, was pregnancy was nine months, and now sure. it's right. <laughs> 40 weeks. <laughs> right. That's true. So, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be 26 weeks? Because Silas was eight, or no. I'm bad at math. Well, I guess 30 is that plus 20. Yeah, McCoy, yeah 26 weeks. 26 I guess weeks. It's hard, yeah. It's hard too because yeah. with the I, imaging we have too, they they'll measure and they'll say, "Oh, they're exactly right. this far yeah. along, right?" Right. Oh my gosh. So how? I mean, I imagine it was fast, but probably terrifying too. Yes, it, it was, was very right. scary. Yeah. Um, we had great we had a great family doctor. He was a general practitioner, and um, he ended up delivering all of our babies. We had six babies total in an eighteen year span. Mm-hmm. Same doctor for, mm-hmm. you know, every checkup. And, mm-hmm. So he was huge help to us as a family. But um, the delivery was like all you NICU mamas know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one that you face. You have no choice. Mm-hmm. And um, you just pray that it goes well. Yeah. So was Ernie able to be in the room with you? No. No. No, he, um, our last son was born in 1984, and he was in the room for that one. But otherwise, they didn't allow the dads in the room. They were in a waiting room and just waited until the delivery was done, and they came out and told him. Oh, my goodness. So different. It's so different. It's not hands-on at all like it is now. It's so family-orientated now. Right. And with COVID, I feel like our moms are getting a... A taste from the past in some ways you know and it's kind of like this unfortunate full circle of mamas journeying through the NICU oftentimes without their partners because of the pandemic too and so yeah how heartbreaking that we've come so far and yet now here we are again yeah yeah but so when did you meet your boys when was the first time that you saw them really outside of delivery um right after they were born there, too, we were not allowed to get up. You know, I think there was issues with blood clotting or whatever. Whatever reasons, the doctors said that mothers couldn't get up. And so um, shortly after they were born, the doctor came in and 
said that it would probably be wise to contact the minister so the sacrament of baptism mm-hmm. could be given. And so we pretty much read through that, knowing that they were critical. And um, so um, that was done. And I remember I told the nurse, I need to see my babies. Mm-hmm. I need to get out there. And if you don't wheel my bed out there, I'm going to get up and walk. They did wheel my bed out there, mm-hmm. so I was able to look at them through the glass, but I was not able to touch them. Mm-hmm. Kelly was five weeks old before I got to hold him. Mm-hmm. Never got to help Kevin, and um, Ernie didn't get to hold Kelly until he was 62 days old. Mm-hmm. So it was quite different, um, quite sad, quite, and yet I know that they did what they thought was right at the time. I know mm-hmm. that. They weren't doing it to be mean. That was just what they were yeah. taught as doctors and staff to do. And um, so we accepted it, but um, I never got told Kevin. Mm-hmm. And he was buried the same day. So um, Ernie went to the funeral, and my mom stayed with me in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so basically he went from my womb to the grave. And now they let you hold your baby. Mm -hmm. If your baby passes away, they bring your baby in. We know this because we had a grandson that died. You love them. You look at them. You examine them. You tell them how precious they are. And so that's great. I think that's a really good thing that they've incorporated because it brings closure to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because they're still your baby. They are. Yeah, and they always will be. Right, always will be. Mm. Yeah, I can't imagine how hard it was to be. I know you said your your mom was with you mm-hmm. in the hospital, but to not be able to be at the funeral, I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. that's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I know we, we Kevin um, is a special part of your life and you're so generous to share about him with us is I know it sounds like you were able to see him a little bit through the glass and Mm -hmm. when he was first born um how has that memory how have you carried it with you in your life you know I'm my my son was born at 25 weeks and he also died in the Mm -hmm. hospital and I think about that all the time I think about how will it progress through life you know how Mm -hmm. will I remember him when I'm you know um in my 50s and 60s and 70s and, you know, on my deathbed, you know, not to be super morbid, but here we are, you know, how does it change over time? You know, I think that that just always your baby. I, I, um, I always have that love. That baby is there always. We just stopped on the way up here to Moorhead to, um, visit his grave and decorate it for Memorial Day. And, put some flowers with a little toy car on there, you know. He's, my other son is 53, 52, right. and it, yeah. but Kevin will be the baby, you know. He mm. will be the baby that I have um, never got to see grow up. But he's still there. He's still important to us, and he always will be. Mm. You know, nobody will take his place, and that's the way it should be. He should have his own place. Yeah. Um, we're grateful he was brought into our life. We don't know, you know all the answers, but he was meant to be here. And uh, even if it was seven hours, he was meant to be here. So 
when so how was kelly's journey through the NICU and you know did he have any setbacks or triumphs and kind of what was his his journey through the NICU like I think my story is a little different in that we had one that died and one that survived and so basically when when we lost Kelly uh, our journey with uh, we lost Kevin our journey with Kelly was just starting it was um, it was pretty scary in many ways um Back then, they didn't have NICU units. They had a corner of the nursery that was for the critical ill children, and that was, you know, that was incorporated in with the other. Um, they, he was in an isolate. Both of the babies were in isolates, and um, he was given shots for preventing uh, pneumonia. So he was given penicillin. And this penicillin created what is called thrush. Mm -hmm. And that um, eventually, after maybe about 10 days, started um, falling into his ear passage in his throat and um, caused him to have respiratory issues. And his heart stopped twice. And uh, we got a call one night and we rushed to the hospital and the doctor that delivered him was in the process of delivering another baby and he was running back and forth between the two rooms and um, and he would get to Kelly and put a tube down and suck out um, the obstruction and then he'd snap his finger on his little heart and that was the... Um, chest compressions mm. oh my gosh yeah oh, that's wow. how they did it you know wasn't um but he was able to bring him back both times and um but kelly went quite downhill after that uh, that really took a lot out of him and um he did start to gain weight but it took a long time and i remember the first time we called i'd i'd go up to see him every day but Every morning I'd call when I first got up to find out how his night had gone. And um, I remember the one time, because each time she'd say a fourth of an ounce he's lost or whatever it was, you know. And and the first time she said he didn't lose any weight, I was just like, oh, we, we're going to turn this corner. This mm-hmm. is good. And I said something to her about that, and she said, well, actually, he doesn't have any more weight to lose. That's how much his little body mm-hmm. is. There's no weight on there. But then it wasn't too many days after that that he did have that victory of the first half ounce of gaining or first fourth of an ounce or whatever it was. So, mm-hmm. um, But he was 62 days old before Ernie held him, and he was five weeks old before I held him. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard now. You know, mm-hmm. they do this kangarooing, and it yeah. looks just so beautiful. And mm-hmm. you just think, oh, man, it's amazing that these doctors are willing to monkey with all these tubes to get this baby on yeah. his mama's chest and daddy's chest, and I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought him into a room, and he had them all bundled up. He was five weeks old, and I remember just peeling back the layers so that I could count his toes and mm-hmm. look at his little fingers. And um, But then Ernie had to wait till he was 62 days old before he got mm-hmm. to hold his son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how was it, you know, we all know that 
spouses and partners are different beings sometimes. And so, <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about how your partner handles it, you know, too, because um, not only was their child in danger or they lost their child, but then their their spouse, who they love very much, was also in, in danger as well. Mm-hmm. And um, then often they're the ones that kind of have to go back to normal a little right. bit faster, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you, you know, you need to rightfully so be in the NICU. So how was it with, with Ernie? How was, you know, how did, I'm sure he was anxious to hold Kelly. And mm-hmm. like you say. Yeah, it I think it was really hard. Um, I think it's hard even for the dads today with the NICU things they go through. The the mom is such an integral part mm-hmm. um, of the child, and yet the dad is um, he's got his place too. And um, so often you think, poor daddy, you know, he needs to get extra love and attention too because his heart's breaking too, watching his wife and his child go through this. Yeah, and. Um, so it was it was kind of hard for Ernie. He, he's a Norwegian farm boy, you know, and stoic, mm-hmm. and you. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of a lot of support from him through mm-hmm. for us when we went through that. He had to do the funeral for Kevin by himself, yeah. and then he had to wait in the wings um, with Kelly. So yeah, it's it was hard. Mm-hmm. And how when when was Todd able to meet? meet him when he got went home yeah oh wow yeah Yeah. there was one time when I was um in the hospital before they were born that Ernie snuck him up the back stairway (laughs) (laughs) I was so lonesome for Todd I was just miserable and um so that was before they put me on complete bed rest so um I was able to meet him in a stairway and (laughs) (laughs) love on Todd a little bit Mm -hmm. but yeah that's one thing that we talk about often on the podcast is for the mamas that have other kids at home, your heart is split in two mm-hmm. because you have babies at home that you want to be with and miss and mm-hmm. they miss mom and dad, mm-hmm. but you also have a baby who needs you. So, you know, did you have any, you know, words of encouragement or tips for mamas who find themselves in that mm-hmm. position? Do you know, um, I think, that little guy or those children at home can be such an encouragement to the mom because they're strong and healthy and they're, they can give you hugs and they can give you love. And that can be a builder to be able to turn around and go back and be put everything you have back into that baby. So yeah. love on them mm-hmm. and, and get that love back for them. And I know that sometimes kids struggle with why isn't mom around and they might not behave the best when... Um, mom is there and then that's hard to use that as a building up time but um you know each each child is an individual and each child can contribute and each child can bring you joy and bring you pain that's Mm -hmm. life that's Mm -hmm. the way it is and so um just love on your kids at home too and be Mm -hmm. thankful that they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and healthy and (laughs) They get into things. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> They'll do that again. <laughs> oh man! So Kelly journeys through the NICU, and they say, "Okay, time to go home." So, were you excited? Were you nervous? Was it a mix of both? All of it. Yeah, all of it. I was ecstatic to be able to bring him home, and I was so scared. And you know, 
back then they didn't have what they do now in regards to um, sudden death in, infant sudden death syndrome. No. Yeah. Or I'm sure he would have been sent home with monitors and all that stuff. But um, and we laid our babies on their tummies. <laughs> <laughs> All the things we just didn't know back then. <laughs> Every 10 years it was changing, right. in fairness. My mom was like, oh, I, rub- I put all sorts of pillows underneath you, and you were yeah. laying flat on your back, and I propped you up this way, and I wrapped you in this. I know. Yeah, yeah. he was tiny. He wasn't quite five pounds when we got him home. Oh, wow. So, um, but, you know, he looked so much bigger than he did in the isolate that right. we thought he had really grown, and, and none of the, the clothes we had fit because he was so tiny, but... Um, he is a strong, healthy, and has been throughout, you know, his baby years. He was, he was a strong, healthy child after he went through the normal, mm-hmm. you know, children's diseases, the chickenpox, <laughs> and all the things now they have vaccinations for. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, you just sat and looked at him. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys did the mm-hmm. same thing. You just sit and look at him and wonder. Mm-hmm. So glad they're there. Yeah. And if I remember right, you mentioned, were, what were the car seats like? because oh, yeah. I remember we talked about this and I was like wait what <laughs> well the car seats were usually mom's arms <laughs> oh we've come so far yeah. it's like crazy, crazy. Yeah. Like now but that there's... was just the normal yeah, yeah. just carried yeah. your baby you just, you just held your baby in your arms and then um, then when they got a little older you graduated to a a little seat that fit on the bench of the car front seat with oh. the right steering wheel, oh, <laughs> which yeah. could have propelled her right through a windshield oh according gosh. to all the tests now. But that's what they had. That's and they um, had, yeah. Yeah. and they're all, you know, they all live through Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here we are. So as Kelly and Todd and, and did you have other kids after Kelly too, Kelly and Kevin? Yes, we yeah. have six Kids total coming, Kelly. God bless you. Thank you. (laughs) And he did. (laughs) He did. We had um, four teenagers when our youngest was um, born, so that was a surprise. Our youngest, uh, when the teenager was 13, and we found out we were going to have a bonus baby. So um, that's that's Jared. So Mm -hmm. we we raised five and look forward to meeting the sixth one when we get to heaven. Yeah. When you, uh, when when Kelly was growing up, uh, did you, how did you talk to him about his start in life in the NICU? Well, I guess I re, I don't remember that we really talked about it that much. I'm sure we did when we got together with somebody else that had a similar story. Sure, but sure. you know, there, the NICU mama thing is so popular and you guys have done such an amazing job and we're so proud of you for what you how you've reached out to help these moms but I don't know that there were a lot of people that I remember that had gone through something similar and as so often is the case if you don't have somebody to talk with you then you don't talk you know you just um, Ernie and I talked about it but um, Kelly knew you know has always known um, that he was a twin and that Kevin died shortly afterwards. And But um, we we tell the funny stories, um, mm-hmm. but we don't always necessarily go into that. Yeah. And he had some issues with, um, you know, they they touched him in the isolate. They, they mm-hmm. handled him a little bit. Um, 
but they talk now about the importance of being loved on and kangarooed and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, he's he's a grown up daddy and grandpa of his own right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just going to ask. I know we touched on it a little bit at the beginning. Um, how you then went on to have a, a child and then a grandchild who had the similar experiences. Mm-hmm. What, you know, what wisdom did you feel like you were able to share, even if it was just sitting, I guess, you know, what were your immediate calls? Like, I'm going to do this for Ashley, you know, when you, when you found out what was happening with mm-hmm. Silas. Did a lot of praying. I remember mm-hmm. that. Um, they had been there shortly before when we had Christmas um, and then little Silas was born first part of January um, you go through the same I don't want to say fears but in, in essence that's what it was mm-hmm. it, it was knowing that this could be the result knowing that she could have this issue or that issue mm-hmm. um, lifted up them in prayer, both her and, and Ryan, knowing the importance that the daddy role played and, and our son, Todd, mm-hmm. because parents mm-hmm. are right yeah. there with you as kids. When you go through something, you hurt, they hurt. Mm-hmm. And if they've gone through something similar, they recognize that pain and are more sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you could... You know, if you could go back and you think about your journey, like what are what are the some of the things that you wish would have been offered to you as far as like, you know, being able maybe it's just the simple act of being able to touch them or, you know, when you look back, like what are those some of those things that you long for and how are some of the ways that people showed up for in kindness for you or that you felt taken care of as a mom during the NICU experience? I think one of the things that I have the most regret over is that we didn't get a chance to hold him and say goodbye. I just feel that in some ways we were robbed there, not knowing it at the time, because we went by what we were told um, by the medical staff, and they were great. They were good people. They they fell in love with Kelly, you know, after having him there for that long. You know, they they were... um, I don't want to say sorry to see him go, but they missed him <laughs> right. because he was there with you know with them every day. Um, but we couldn't have felt we never felt betrayed by any of the medical staff mm-hmm. for the decisions that they called in regard to not bringing the baby in afterwards. That's something I don't know when it changed, but I think it's great. I think that's a good thing. Um, our neighbors and our family, they rallied around us. They they grieved with us over the loss, but rejoiced with us over the one that was still alive. And so they were kind of caught in a limbo, too. But they sent cards, and they brought meals, and um, they even came and painted the house for me one time. After. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Excuse me. When... Um, when Kelly was still in the hospital, and they called and said, we knew you wanted to get this project done before you got pregnant with the twins, and let us come in and do it. You don't have to do a thing. And they brought their food, and they brought the paint, and they Mm -hmm. did that. I remember that. Showers, of course, and um, crying together, Mm -hmm. laughing together. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, a normal way that friends support you and lift you up and, Mm -hmm. you know. We do that. Yeah, we do. We cry and laugh together. <laughs> we do. 
<laughs> it's amazing how both are such healing elements in our yeah. lives. Both yeah. the tears and the and the laughter are both healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to laugh more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. I just love that. Yeah. It's I think it's it's interesting too. It's such a good message for for families and friends to hear too. I mean, for the NICU, but obviously just in medical crisis, right? That it is sim- it's simplicity, right? Yeah. You don't we don't have to um do a GoFundMe, but those are good too. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> or anything super complicated. It's just sitting and being with someone mm-hmm. wherever they're at and mm-hmm. that's so important. Sometimes it's just a note in the mail. And I know notes aren't what they used to be because of texting and stuff. But uh, if you get a note in the mail, just somebody that says, prayed for you this morning, thinking about you, Mm -hmm. so happy for you, or whatever little milestones you hit with your baby, I think Mm -hmm. it's good for others to see it and and rejoice with you and Mm -hmm. be happy with you. You asked about Kelly today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about Kelly today. So you kind of mentioned he's a dad and grandpa, but tell us a little bit about him. And, we, we, you know, most of our listeners, the majority Mm -hmm. of them are young mamas with preemies, and you kind of find yourself wondering, are they going to turn out okay? Right. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about Kelly and who he is today. Kelly was our... um, you know, we, we call him our miracle, too, because of all the struggles that he went through. But like I said before, he was a healthy child. Uh, throughout high school and sports, he did um, the average things that kids do, had lots of friends. Um, and today he's a hospice chaplain as well as a pastor of a small church. And he is a husband um, with four children, and three of those are married. Well, Two are married and one is getting married, and um, and a grandpa, mm-hmm. and it's so fun to see him with this uh, little grandchild, mm-hmm. and to think of how over the years things have changed mm-hmm. for him from the time he was tiny, tiny to seeing him with this robust grandson now. Mm-hmm. So well, and his grandson was also a NICU baby. Yes, he was a full-term mm-hmm. NICU baby, yeah. but also yeah. a NICU baby. Yes, so. he was. And that little guy can, he's 14 months, no, let's see, he's one year and four months, so that's 16 months old. He can scale that changing table, (laughs) pull himself up on that, and lay in the knee, look at his mother like, well, there I did that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I love it. Nikki babies are so resilient. They are. They are. I think it's so crazy to think about, you just don't think about that when you're in the midst of the early kid Mm -hmm. or young child years. Because it's so, ugh. and then and then I'm sure it transitioned to school age, and like you say, they're in sports and activities, and they've got friends, and mm-hmm. and so it's just weird to think about your child looking at them being like, someday you're going to be a grandparent, right? That's very strange to think about, but it's it's also a testament to the the full life that we can't even fathom for them, mm-hmm. right? So so much of just being a Nikki mom is just getting to the next day. Um, so it's kind of fun to take a step back and dream about what what they will do, mm-hmm. and and you can guess, but then they'll tell you something different anyway. But right, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I wonder as we kind of get to the end of the episode here, I wonder what encouragement would you have 
both for the last mamas in our community, but also the last mamas of twin twin last mamas. Because we recently did an episode with a mama who also lost a twin, and that's its own unique mm-hmm. loss too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what encouragement or words of love would you offer a lost mama or a lost twin mama? I guess. I guess I would just say, love. Allow yourself to love babies, the babies. If they're alive, love them. If they're passed on, love them. Give yourself that right to um, acknowledge them in your life because they they were there, mm-hmm. and um, and know that as a mom, you've got that special spot, spot that no one else has for your baby, and um, and know that. You did the best you can, and give yourself, cut yourself some slack, and move forward with the joy of the Lord. Um, our faith is what helped us to get through a lot of things after Kelly was born and after Kevin died. We came to realize our need for Christ in our life two years after the twins were born. And there was an episode, and um, I'm not sure if everybody would, any, if everybody will understand this, but I felt like I needed to share it. I was so um, burdened about this baby that I had lost, and wondering where he was. And I had a dream one night, and in this dream, it was flowers. It was in a garden, and it was, I believe, heaven. And Jesus was sitting on this rock, and on his knee was this baby, and he was feeding this baby. And it was like God said to me, Don't worry about your baby in heaven. I've got him. I'm taking care of him. And it gave me strength to be able to move forward and know that I've got a job here with my other children, and I'm going to enjoy looking forward to meeting Kevin but I'm going to do the very best that I can with what God has given me in raising these and teaching them about the love of the Lord, teaching them to love their families, their spouses, their kids, their grandkids, and being good, productive adults and add something to the world. And as a mom and a housewife, and that's what I was, I wasn't a career woman. I didn't have a lot of things I could contribute but I invested in my five gifts that God had given me to raise. And I enjoyed it. I loved being a mom. It wasn't always easy, but I I felt that was my calling. And with God's help and with the help of a husband that believed as I did, we were able to raise those. They, they weren't perfect kids, but um, I don't know that we could have done the job we did without the Lord. And so that's my testimony of how I would like to encourage other people when they go through rough times. Because it's hard to do it by yourself, but with the Lord's help, your things are possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. I know. <laughs> I need a milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> you milk should get one after this, Jan. Yeah. Oh man. 
Well, Grandma, <laughs> Grandma Jan, thank you so much for sharing your story. And we have been in tears many times throughout this episode because there's just so much hope in your story mm-hmm. and there's so much redemption. And so to the NICU mamas listening that find themselves in a similar place of either going through the unimaginable of having to say goodbye or also just in the throes of the NICU right now with your preemie or your full-term babe, we just want to remind you that you're not alone and there is hope. And so thank you so much for sharing your story and for being a light and hope to our mamas. And mamas listening, thank you as always for being in this space with us. It's just an honor to get to connect with you each week and to hear and see your messages of how these episodes touch you and reach you. And so um, you are never, ever alone in a pandemic or not. You are never alone. (laughs) And uh, we will make sure to catch you guys next time. So have a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back next week. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.